Good evening, everyone. It is Meg, and here we are for another episode of Manifesting with Meg. And we have Sarah. It is episode 66, and we will be talking about You Are Here on Purpose, Make It Fabulous. So if you're looking to make it fabulous, you've come to the right place. I am really happy to announce that today is our 66th episode. My God, I can't believe I've come this far. And it always is wonderful to have another storyteller in the room as you're manifesting magic into your life and you're manifesting the life of your dreams. And with that, I want to tell you a little bit more about Sarah. But before we begin, this is Extraordinary People, Conversations with Extraordinary People. And I can't wait to show you how extraordinary this person is. You're just going to be out of your mind, the things that she's done and what she brings to the world and everything. But as you all know, this is a, this is a pod or podcast manifesting with live, um, on Facebook live also my YouTube, but it all gets put together based upon my book, the magical guide to bliss and the magical guide to bliss is all different 12, 12 months of the year that have you walking through the year finding your bliss, the journey towards. And we always set our intentions. So I always say my intention is always to have fun and bring some kind of amazing information to all of you so that you can live a life filled with more bliss. And then we ask my guests to do the same, set your intentions and away we go. And of course, fond at the end of the show, what we're going to share with both, and then we'll be sharing everything else from that point on. So without further ado, Sarah Elkins is with me tonight and she is your guide to uncovering the right personal stories for the right audiences. So executives, leaders, public speakers, and job seekers can clearly and effectively demonstrate their character values and vision. And I'm not kidding when she's showing up to help you tell a better story, she's showing up for you to tell a better story because she is clearly a storyteller's storyteller, communication coach, author, and professional musician. So not only does she tell great stories, but she puts it to a great soundtrack, which I am a big fan of. I love my music. I need my music. And anyone who can actually play music, I got to have them in my cohort or my life or everything, right? So she has workshops and coaching packages, and she also basically has strength finders assessment and i want to and sh i want to share this with you because it's really fascinating what you can do with this strength finders assessment for teams as well as individuals that will get people really amazing results it has them valuing each other's strengths and connecting with each other on the most basic levels that enhance self-reflection storytelling or story sharing and effective listening only only 20 years in the business she looks so young it's ridiculous and she's in you know she's even got inspired to complete her mba so we got really quality educated amazing people and she achieved her strength finder certificate as well for the professional environment so i know you're going to love her she's going to bring a lot of happiness to your home tonight and without further ado wow sarah i'm so i'm so excited to finally have you here because we've been we've met each other um through the wonderful networking um of frank edgen but we've, I feel like I've known you for forever. So it's so awesome to have you here on my, on my stage tonight. So please share with anything I missed because I want to make sure I got everything. Oh my gosh. No, I, I can't imagine that you missed anything, but I'm one of those people that I just fill my days and I get bored really quickly. So I try a lot of different things. It's just, you know, I, people are shocked when they hear all the different things, but it's really just a matter of keeping my mind constantly engaged because if I don't, I self-sabotage. <laughs> so, Well, that's interesting to know that about yourself, the way we all are wired a lot differently. I mean, some people are wired to chill. You know, some people, their idea of chilling is having five different machines going on around them. You know, they have to always be doing mm -hmm. something and engaging in something. But at the end of the day, we all have to honor our own internal, you know, clock as well as our own internal peace. So I love that our theme today is that you are here on purpose and make it fabulous. I mean, I, I can't imagine even a better person to have fabulosity in the room. Um, the quote is amazing too, because we have Steve Jobs tonight and he speaks to your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. And if you haven't found it yet, keep looking, don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you'll know it when you find it. So strength finders, 
and this quote makes total sense tonight. I like this kind of conversation because we're focusing on individual strengths, that the things that make you happy generally are those things that you're strong about, that give you great joy. And people tend to be strong in, in, in what they're happy as doing, like I just said. So following the passions and don't just, don't ever give up on discovering your bliss. And don't ever stop searching for what aligns with your heart and soul. And you know, those gifts and talents that you have that will leave that beautiful mark on the universe that you got to pay attention to what those are. But what you do is have people focus on what really makes them stand out and then to enjoy the adventure. So tell me a little bit more about what your thoughts are on this and, and we can go from there. I have a lot of thoughts on this because I've had so many different jobs in my life. And there was a time in, in my generation, I'm, I'm 51 now, and my generation, job hopping was really frowned upon. If I didn't last for two <laughs> years in a job, people would you know, snub their nose. And now it's common. You know, This is a thing, we're gonna have at least 10 jobs, much less careers in our lives at this point. There's no loyalty among companies anymore. And so you really have to make yourself happy. No one else is going to do it for you. That, that, so. That's perfect because the truth of the matter is, you know, I know that there's a, I know that it's very interesting because you do a lot of presentations with regard to this, to a lot of companies. Cause I think there is like a desire to keep people on a little longer than, you know, have the door keep moving. Right. So, so mm -hmm. tell me, when they come and find you, what is it that you offer to the different, um, you know, on your different keynotes? Because you really do bring a lot of value, but what are people really generally looking for when they do hire you? Well, it's really all about self-reflection and understanding how you can be a better ambassador for yourself and your company. Yeah. So um, one of the things I love to talk about is the fact that you, your strengths are your stories. So the better your stories about your organization, the people you work with, the more you're a great ambassador for the company. And um, it, what I keep coming back to when, when I do my keynotes is really this sense that when you tell the right story and you can connect with somebody, it unlocks their story. So we all know this, but it's a matter of doing it with intention. So think about it. When yeah. I start telling a story like about my mother's day and going for a hike with my boys and I tell you about a flower I saw or whatever, you're immediately thinking of your own story that's related to that. You can't help it. We're designed to do that. We mirror each other's um, neurons when it comes to joy, sorrow, excitement, whatever. So the more that we can share a story that somebody else is going to relate to, the more you're gonna unlock their story. And when you allow them to share it, it just creates a deeper connection. So Obviously. I want so as you're talking, I wanna show everybody your amazing book. Your stories don't define you, how you tell them will, right? Mm -hmm. And tell me, tell me, so this is a great, okay, for, for one, it's, it sounds kind of like a, uh, you know, when you first say the stories don't define you, we all think that our stories do define us, however, you're telling a whole other story as to how to relay. So tell us a little bit about this because I love the fact that you wrote it. I've read it. It's fantastic. Everybody, you guys have to go out there and buy it because it really is. A, and she also has it in audio. So the and, and her audio, because she's a musician, she actually included tracks on her audio as to her music, which is fantastic too. So go ahead. Tell us about this book and, and how you came up with it. Well, it was before I started my podcast, I was working with a coaching client and she had MS and she didn't want to talk about it in her presentations that she did and in her, her public speaking that she did. She didn't want to talk about it. And I asked her why, because she had told me a couple of amazing stories that spoke to me, you know, really resonated with me. And I don't, I don't have MS, thank God. But anyway, so she said, I just don't want to be known as that woman with MS. I don't want to be defined by my illness, by my disability. And I thought about it for a second and I said, well, the stories you told me, they define you in my mind as being resilient and mm -hmm. persistent and determined. And it's not the thing that happened to you that defines you. It's how you talk about that thing that happened to you. Yeah. And you don't talk about yourself as a victim of this illness, of this disability. So you can tell these stories and that's not how people are going to define you and as i said that out loud 
like I realized, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm really onto something. And over the course of a few weeks afterward, I came up with this, your stories don't define you, but how you tell them will. And I started the podcast using that title. And then as I was doing the podcast, I realized a lot of people don't know how to tell their stories. And so they are stuck with this idea of either I don't have any good stories or my stories have to be epic. They have to be near-death experience or a celebrity (laughs) sighting. And they don't even realize that a story as simple as um, what you did on Mother's Day is far more meaningful than any of these epic stories. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's because you engage this, the, the other person with the heart, the vulnerability of your story. And I think that that, what you're saying here, the way you tell them, like not, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I got, I have nothing to say, you know, my life is boring that I do nothing, whatever. But the reality is, but you don't know what audience you're speaking to. If you already start with that dialogue in your head, then you've already, you know, you dinged already lost them. Yeah, right. you, you lost them. So tell me, so after you had this big aha, what happened next? Oh gosh. I started looking back at all of the stories that I tell and realized that they come to me pretty easily because I look for stories in my everyday life. Uh, Everything I do, something story-like pops into my head. So for instance, I'm not a big Hallmark holiday woman. And so Mother's Day has never held a lot of expectation for me. Even when I was a a mom of young children, it just wasn't a big deal for me. Um, And so I was surprised at the sentimentality I felt this year because my boys are both out of the house. I'm officially empty nesting. And this was the first Mother's Day where I didn't have any, any of my kids living in my house. And I went to bed Saturday night. I wasn't thinking about that. Like I was thinking, oh, maybe I can do some gardening tomorrow. Maybe it'll be warm enough here in Montana, which it wasn't, just so we're clear on that. Um, We never plant anything delicate before Mother's Day. Um, But I, I remember waking up on Sunday morning and hearing the sounds of both of our boys in the kitchen, talking, laughing, playing their awful music. And I just laid there in bed having this wave of nostalgia, right? I'm thinking, oh my gosh, when they were little and all the sounds that I would hear and the running up and down the stairs like elephants. And the, and I, I lay there for a little while and realized, oh my gosh, I'm laying here in bed and my boys are at home. I get to go see them. So I immediately jumped out of bed, put on some clothes and went downstairs. Well, my younger son, as soon as he saw me, actually, I think he started as he heard me coming down the stairs, he made me a cup of coffee. And as I walked into the kitchen, he handed it to me exactly like I like it. And the three of us sat there just visiting, just enjoying each other's company. And a few minutes later, we leashed up the dog and we went for a walk on the mountain behind our house. About four miles later and yammering and laughing and having these very important conversations about what my older son is gonna do next in his life, We got home and my husband had made this amazing brunch of kind of an eggs benedict, but with asparagus and salmon instead of ham. And it was, it was such an amazing experience for me because, because it caught me off guard. Sentimentality is not something that I am known for. And everyone went their own ways after brunch and that was fine. But I had this story in my head hours later i'm like oh i have a story and i realized that's that's kind of my my intention with the book is that is the intention of my book is to remind people that that they need to look for them that they need to remember these important moments because it's so easy to remember the negative stuff yeah it's because it involves all parts of your brain you're fully stimulated but the good stuff just standing in the kitchen and looking at your kids and going Oh, that's so nice. Oh, yeah. That's a story, and it, it keeps that in your head so that you remember the good stuff. I love that. You know, it's funny because you can even take a very negative experience and turn it into something actually quite magical because at the end of the day, you, like for me today, I had a situation where my son basically cut his finger. <laughs> like almost Hang on. Ooh. I know, it was a little crazy. Hang on, let me make sure.
So <laughs> there was an issue with my sound and I wanted to make sure it was okay. But yeah, no, no, I'm hearing screaming from the other side of the house and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And he's like, mommy, mommy, he's 18. And I'm here I'm having these moments, these pangs that my little boy is going away, you know, to college and, you know, the childhood and the experience we have at a family is over. And meanwhile, I'm looking at him, there's blood everywhere. And I'm just like, he's like, like, he's like a four-year-old again. And I'm like, oh, he'll always need me. <laughs> just like that. Oh, you always need me. We got the car. I took him to the clinic, whatever. But I was just like, oh yeah, I'm good. <laughs> this kid's always good. That's not him to be dependent. I don't. But you know, those moments in time where you feel like they don't need you anymore, at least the way you like you were like like having to like follow them around. Right. But yet it's a reminder <laughs> that, you know, they always want mom. And I love that you said shared yours because look at that. They they presented a memory for you that was that took you back and that is how you figure out your moments of fabulousness right that's like because mm -hmm. your purpose for that moment was to be a family and walk together in beautiful Montana and the hills and if you ever see the beautiful pictures that she has they're stunning and she has it unfortunately I don't have any to show you but it's stunning and 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 you get to actually take that all in and enjoy it and that's amazing right so mm -hmm. oh my god so one of the things i do love to do with my show as well is share the inspirational things that you know get you going and get your mind into a story mindset and this is one of the quotes that you did in fact share with me and i love victor frankel first of all um between stimulus and response there is a space in that space, our power to choose our response in our response lies, our growth and our freedom. Victor Frankel, please speak to this. This is so powerful to me. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, as Suzanne already said, Suzanne Simonetti. Yes. Um, I love this uh, when she said proactive, not reactive. Yes. And that's basically what this is about is you have a moment when something stimulates a response in you, whether it's a, a, an emotional trigger or um, a, an, an anger, you know, whatever your, your emotional response is. Um, what Viktor Frankl is saying is that, that that response or that that stimulant isn't good or bad. Yeah. It's your response to it that, that gives it a value of good or bad. So one of the examples that I use is on Mother's Day a couple of years ago, I remember waking up and there was snow on the ground and I had to go out and shovel the walk. <laughs> and I was like, wait, it's Mother's Day. That's so wrong. And I remember looking outside and having that moment. I actually took a moment. I looked outside and my first initial instinct was, damn, right? Because I'm going to have to put on warm clothes on May 16th or whatever day it was. Oh my God. But then I gave myself that moment, as Viktor Frankl says, and this is something I use a lot, a lot. Um, it helps me when I talk about StrengthsFinder. I'm a strategic activator, which means I often have a, a sense of urgency. Oh, I like that. And this Viktor Frankl quote really gives me the opportunity to think about my activator and say, okay, is this sense of urgency mine? Or does it belong to somebody else? And if it's mine, is it something I need to address right this minute? And sometimes it is. It's like, yeah, I have this sense of urgency. I'm going to do this right now. Yeah. But other times it's like, no, there are other things that are more important for you to do. So use your strategic right now and, and back off on the activator. But I use that Viktor Frankl quote specifically to address that part of my personality. That's awesome. And if you guys all know who Viktor Frankl is, he wrote A Man's Search for Meaning. And he was, uh, he was, in the Holocaust, Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Right. So, so he was a Holocaust survivor, correct. So to see someone actually respond in this way to something that's so incredibly devastating, it kind of puts perspective on everything else. And that you use this as your strategic activator. I love that because it's very empowering. It's something that you can do. There's something that you can show up in the world and choose. Like you make a determination whether that is yours or if it's somebody else's. And a lot of people don't stop and think about that. And then they react as if it's all theirs. <laughs> and we all know how those things turn out for right. sure. Right, and it's the same with the word should. Oh. I do. I have the same process for the word, word should. When, a, when should pops into my head, I, I should 
eat better, I should go to the gym, whatever. Um, I always stop for a moment because I hate the word should. It, yeah. it has just completely changed meaning for me. And I try not to use it with anyone anymore. I, I think about the alternatives to the word should. And yeah. I think, okay, does that should belong to me? Or is it somebody else's? Is it my mother's should that I should color my hair because the grays are coming in? Oh That's my mother's. It doesn't belong to me. I get to leave that aside. Yeah. And if it's mine, I choose in that moment. I decide, okay, I'm either going to do this or I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to have any guilt about it. I'm not going to feel a sense of obligation about it. I'm just going to either put on my shoes and go for my hike or I'm not. And I'm going to curl up in front of the, the fire if that's what I want to do. And that's my choice because it's my should. I love that. And you know, it's interesting because last show we had, we were talking, don't shit on yourself. Like basically, you know, the other word that we use, don't shit on yourself. Don't do that. You know, and, and Suzanne's suggesting change it to get to. So it becomes a opportunity. But I love that, you know, pick your your own shoulds or use a different word. I love that. And, and we move on to this because... <laughs> I love it. You're so funny. I love it. Be your authentic self. Unless you're an asshole, leave that guy at home. Now, I mean, how awesome. And it is a cup of tea with a heart on it. So it's perfect. And if, if you're listening to this and not watching it, Sarah is this adorable, you know, like adorable person. So you're like, what is that? So tell us about this. <laughs> well, I, I have an issue with people who tell other people they're authentic. I feel like if you have to tell people you're not doing it right. I love that. So that, what happened to draw that out of me was I was working with a coaching client at an organization. So he wasn't paying me, his company was paying me. He didn't want to be there. He walked into the office where we were doing our one-to-one -one and he sat down across from me and crossed his arms in front of him, leaned back, all the body language that says, I have nothing to learn from you. Right. So um, we started talking, I started looking at his strengths and I said, well, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to believe me, but if you think that this report has some semblance of truth, if it feels like it, it, it's pretty accurate for your personality, then we have something to work with. You can either say, yeah, it's accurate and walk away from it, or you can say, yeah, it's accurate. And here's where I'm getting in my own way. And it was this point where he realized that his responsibility, which is one of the one of the strengths of the 34 themes, responsibility is one of them. And sometimes responsibility can come across as really judgmental. And that's how he was coming across. Got and it. he knew that. And he said, that's just who I am. And that's, that's just who I am. I'm not going to change. And I said, well, that's fine. You need to be okay with the consequences of that. If you decide that that responsibility, that side of you that comes out as judgmental doesn't matter to you and that, that that's just who you are, you have to understand that what that means is people are going to not necessarily like you and they're not going to feel compelled to follow you if you're their leader because they don't like you. And it's not that you have to be liked, but you have to be okay with the consequences of intentionally choosing not to open your mind to alternatives. Wow. And, and how was the response with regard to that? Well, he said, wow, you sure tell it like it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we're going to earn that. I and do. Earn that and that's, and, that's, and that's awesome. the thing. We can change. He can change. He yeah. can decide incrementally. This is not like tomorrow he's going to be a nice guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but incrementally, he can choose. He can take that Viktor Frankl moment when he's about to say something that he knows is going to come across badly. And he can take that moment and choose not to say it or choose to see how that person is reacting. Because, you you know, you have all kinds of signals from that person and choose to take a step back and say, OK, I need to find a way to say this without hurting your feelings. Right. Right. Wow. So he can make these incremental changes. That's amazing. I love it. You know, I, I, I definitely, and, and, and Suzanne's saying, and pompous too, but you know, interestingly <laughs> enough, yes. like, I love these kind of moments when you're like, yeah, you can't be surprised that you're going to get that kind of pushback, 
when you fully know how you're that showing. That you're an up. asshole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody knows you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's not like you're like worried about it, what anyone's thinking, clearly, because you just care, don't care about the consequences. Well, here you are with your beautiful dog and the stories you tell and how you tell them have the power to shape your identity. And this is actually behind your house in Montana, right? It is. It's on the mountain. It's a beautiful, mountainous, gorgeous, natural, wonderful place. I'm definitely, when the when the world opens up fully, I'm coming to see you for sure. We're getting our tea together. <laughs> well, I, have, I have a spare bedroom now because, you know, I'm empty nesting. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So talk about that, you know, how you tell them have the power to shape your identity and, and how you can turn that into something that empowers you rather than becomes, like you say, you know, you're not going to change, <laughs> you know, and that's that, but you can right. think about it differently. How do you bring people to that place? Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about internal messages. One of the things that I, I just did a workshop with a group of women and I asked them, what are some of the internal messages that you struggle with today? And one of them was, I'm not creative. One was, um, I'm not athletic. Uh, mine was, I'm very small, like in stature. And I, I still battle that all the time because I'm only five foot two maximum. And so I am, I am a small, physically small person. And there were times when I was younger that that was um, exacerbated by people wanting to pick me up all the time. When I was in college, I think I wrote this in the book, I can't remember if the story's in it, but when I was in college, a basketball player that had asked me out and had said no, picked me up and put me on top of a Coke vending machine. He just, it was so easy for him. He's like six foot eight, right? So he puts his gigantic hands on my hips and waist and just bloop, plops me up on top of this machine. And I have a little sundress on. I can't jump down without exposing myself. And so I, I would, I tell that story and I say, I, I remember the story vividly, but the way that I tell it is this, he put me up there and I was angry. And I said, put me down right now. He said, agree to go out with me and I'll put you down. And I wow. said, as if I would go out with somebody who put me on top of a machine that I can't get down off of without exposing myself. Do you really think this is a good way to ask me out? Yeah. And he crossed his arms and I look over at his friend and I was like, tell your friend to put me down or you come get me. And he's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta put her back down. So his friend comes over, puts me back down, and I marched myself up to this very tall basketball player, and I am standing right in his space, looking straight up at him, which literally I'm like at his belly button. And I look straight up at him and I poked him on the chest. I said, I am not a toy. Ooh, Don't you ever do that to any woman. We are not toys. Good for you. And I, and I walked away. Now there's another way I could have told this story, right? Well, like as and the victim, right? You could have changed it. Yeah, totally. Wow. Exactly. Even, even with me standing up to him, if I told it differently, then even my standing up to him would have right. felt like victimhood. Wow. Wow. So that internal wow. message, it, it holds on, right? It yeah. holds on. So what I would encourage people to do is think about what internal message is damaging. So for instance, um, I'm not an athlete. So think back on the inception story of I am not an athlete. Mm -hmm. I'm not an athlete isn't a story. It, that's part of my book. It drives me crazy. People are like, stop telling yourself the story that you're not an athlete. That's not a story. It's an observation. It's yeah. a judgment, right? Yeah. It's a judgment. It's a label. I'm not yeah. athletic. Yeah. So instead, think back about the time that you decided you weren't athletic. What incident occurred? And one of my coaching clients, Dan, she said, well, when I was in high school, I was terrible at team sports. I just had no coordination. I said, oh, I know how that feels. I, I was the same. And I said, so what sports? And she said, well, I tried volleyball. I tried basketball. I'm tall. So they, they wanted me on those teams and I was just terrible at it. And I said, oh yeah, tell me a story about it. She said, well, I tried out for the volleyball team and I literally couldn't jump. 
Like I would jump and I'd go two inches off the ground and they teased me mercilessly. I said, oh, so you're not an athlete. I I hear that, that's that's hard. I said, so what do you do physically? You're fit, because I could see her on Zoom. What do you do? And she said, oh, I, this last couple of years, I started training for 5K races because I'm turning 50. So I'm gonna do a bunch of 5K races. And I said, really? (laughs) <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah. She said, well, when I decided I wanted to be fit when I turned 50, 49 years old, she signed up for five 5K races. And she has been running a minimum of two miles three times a week Oh wow! for almost a year, Yeah. for almost a year. And I said, okay, that sounds like an athlete to yeah. me. Yeah. And I said, back then you were narrowly defining the word athlete to somebody who played sports. Wow. Team sports, right? Wow. That's a very narrow definition of being an athlete. Love this. This is great. I said, and now you have all this evidence to prove that that story was wrong. It's yeah. inaccurate. And you need to start looking at the evidence. You know, I have to tell you, I absolutely love this because it's empowering. It's the what you're the words you're telling yourself that are empowering the possibilities in your life. And the reality of it is that this woman clearly is an athlete, he, two miles a day, that's amazing. So interestingly, we tell ourselves those stories, like you're saying, and I'll go back to this wonderful book of yours, you know, your stories don't define you how you tell them do. And you can actually take it two ways. You can say that you're going to hold on to that story because you can never fail if you already believe you failed, right? Or it's safe. It's totally safe, right? Or you're like, well, you know, I'm still alive. I still got an opportunity. Let's change this around a little bit and see what how much fun we can have. And I mean, she's gonna feel a success every time she crosses that, or even like go through the whole mile. We'll forget about you know crossing the finish line. But the whole point is that you change your own internal dialogue and you don't allow someone else to insert their own opinion and and as leslie and first of all suzanne screaming yes yes and then (laughs) this is so empowering but the reality is you can empower your story and that is what you tell people or share with them and you know i want to go back to you know a lot about the legacy and your mission and your vision in life because you know i find you a breath of fresh air i do i love you i love the way you tell stories i love the way you engage people you are an incredibly empowering person and someone who you know everybody should have in their in their circle of influence i i definitely you know for me you know legacy is quite important because you know how i'm telling my story is I want to be able to watch that movie when I'm about to die and go, oh yeah, that was good. Oh my God, that was good too. Oh my God, that was good too. I was like, that is like how I see it, you know? It's like sliding into home base, right? Yeah, Covered exactly. in dirt. Yeah, it was like, wow, that was my life. Like, how awesome is that? Like, okay, with moments of, you know, okay, yes, I go dark. I will be honest. I have anxiety of the yin I go dark. So I have moments of that, but I can say, but yet, I always say the plot twist happens, you know, plot twist. Okay, we're out of that. And I reach out to someone who can actually empower me. And then we go back to, you know, that was my life. So what kind of, let me tell, like what kind of legacy are you intending to leave in this world with each client that you engage to teach them or share with them or engage them to tell better stories? So that's a big word, legacy. And I use that when I talk about personal brand and I say, what are three words you would want people to use to describe you when you walk away? Let's just start with three. Obviously you can get overwhelmed with a bunch of words, but let's start with three. And I actually have that exercise in the book. And if you're starting with three, let's say that my three are um, compassionate, entertaining, and hmm, what's another word? Inspiring. What would be another word? <laughs> Inspiring, generous. I love to be known as generous. That's really important to me. And that doesn't mean giving money all the time. That means generous with my time, generous with my energy, generous with my love. I have so much of that to give. So let's say compassionate, entertaining, and generous. If I am acting that way every day, I am every interaction I have, my goal is to 
have this person leave the conversation feeling better about themselves, mm-hmm. right? I, when I have a conversation with someone, I want them to feel heard and listened to and cared about and valued. And if I go about my day, every day, working to do that, I mean, there are going to be the, the dark days. There, like <laughs> last week when I woke up with a migraine and then stepped off my bed, it's a high bed and I'm little, stepped off my bed into a pile of dog vomit. Like, ooh, that's oh, pleasant. There you go. <laughs> right? That's not a good start to a day. And it's no. going to be harder for me to generate that energy, that love, and to show up fully. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the best I can. But in general, if I am consistently bringing that to the conversations that I have, that my goal is that I leave this conversation better than I found it, then that is my legacy. Yeah. And and I again, it's too big a word for me because I'm a short-term thinker. I'm When people ask the difference between my journey I say she's the five-year plan girl I'm the five-minute plan girl Uh, really I don't think beyond that but I do think about every conversation and how that is going to leave a ripple effect in the lives of the people that I touch yeah and I think that when you think of it one conversation at a time is basically what you're saying you know those bite-sized moments so you don't kind of future you know torture yourself and that's where the anxiety kind of is allayed and then you can actually embrace the time that you have with whoever shows up. So I want to ask you again, what kind of story are you telling for your life and on this journey that you've created for yourself? And by the way, they love the title. You speak our language. She's a great you You are. So absolutely. Oh gosh. It's, um, ask me that question again. I just kind of lost track. No worries. What kind of story are you telling for your life and your journey? What kind of story? Well, uh, okay. So one of the things that people forget when they're telling their stories is that your story isn't a a long timeline of events, of things that happen to you. So um, if somebody says, tell me about yourself, which by the way, is the worst question. Don't ever (laughs) ask somebody that question. Be more specific. Tell me about your day. What book are you reading? Are you a big fan of The Walking Dead? You know, ask a question that's specific so that people don't have to mess around with, tell me about yourself. Yeah. Um, But tell me about yourself doesn't start with, well, I was born in Washington, DC. And when I was five, we moved to Denver. And then we moved to LA when I was in first grade. And like, that's not a story. That's not going to inspire people. It's not gonna connect you with others unless they're from DC too. You know, if, if there's something in common, maybe it'll trigger something. But what I like to remind people is that your story and your your light bulb moments aren't instantaneous. Each little thing that happens in your life that you can look back and and say, oh, remember that time um, I went to that water park and I got stung by a bee on the bottom of my foot and my younger sister sat down with me and cried with me. Now you tell that story, if you're, say you're 10 years old and your sister in this case was five and my sister, and I was crying cause it really hurt and I have a high pain tolerance. And so yeah. my sister kind of freaked out cause she never, she didn't see me cry much. And she sat down next to me and cried with me and oh. just held me. And I have this vivid memory of that moment. And here's what that, what that story just told you. It told you that I am really close with my sister. It told you more about me than it did about her, even though it told you that she's compassionate. Yeah. Right? So that is a moment that describes our relationship. Yeah. And every time you look at those moments, again, our relationship didn't just suddenly have a light bulb. Oh, we're super close, right? It's more like a dimmer switch. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And you know, the, the beauty of it is the way you tell it for sure, because you engage your audience from, from the heart. And that is, that, you know, that, is that something that you've had as far as talent as, you know, engaging from the heart for quite some time or, or did you have to craft your, your, you know, um, or to fine tune your craft, let's say, as you've been moving along in life? Oh, it definitely is a, a fine-tuning practice process. I, I think I've always been a storyteller. It has um, evolved 
pretty dramatically in the last five years with practice. And that's, I always encourage my clients, my coaching clients, practice telling these stories. Yeah. Practice in front of a mirror if you're uncomfortable, but practice with your friends, practice at, at a bar with a bartender, tell a silly story that makes him laugh or her laugh. Yeah. Um, practice. And the other thing about storytelling that I've noticed that I just take in all the times I watch other people tell stories mm -hmm. and I listen intently and I hear the things that they did really well. I can kind of see what might've been a little bit of a turnoff and I incorporate all of what I learn from watching other people. And I, I think you can do that across the board, but particularly with storytelling, what was really compelling about that story? Mm, what can I do to, to add that to my repertoire? Well, isn't that the greatest, like the, the imitation is the highest form of flattery and how you engage. So like, we were talking at the outset when we were, you know, getting ready for the show, we're like, well, you know, you align with the people that are most like you. So it's a huge compliment to yourself when you're fascinated by the people you're talking to, because clearly you are fascinating as well. And, and the bottom line is that you're, you have become such an expert in your field that you surround yourself with other experts, but that's only by virtue of the fact that you practice and you practice in many different settings and practice really does set aside your fears and, and possibilities of repeating a story that you no longer want to tell and engaging one that you do. So that's fantastic. And I wanted to get to the point where, you know, extraordinary people, I think, show up to life differently, right? They're telling better stories. They're creating happier villages. I just did my TEDx about wake up, you know, how to create a better story for a happier village. And that starts with you. You're the one, you're the one who gets to be in charge of what comes out of your mouth. Just like you told your client, you're judgmental, well then you get to be accountable for whatever that looks like. But I think that one of the things that I love for my guests to share are what brings you forward on that journey? Like what moves you along and, and what are the you know techniques or tools that you use to help manifest your dreams as well? I, I think one of the, the biggest things that moves me forward is practicing active listening. Oh, I love that. Uh, because it creates such a trusting atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So I notice that when I haven't taken an active part in my active listening practice, that I don't feel as connected with people. Mm. So every day that I have an opportunity, which is pretty that. much every day, I, I have to shut down my desire to talk because I'm a talker. <laughs> and ask questions and be curious and then really listen to the answers. And what I love about this, like when I'm recording my own podcast is picking out the pieces from a story that somebody told and putting it in a different light for them. No, that's and cool. that's, that's magical. That moves me forward. So just so everyone knows, Sarah does have a podcast of the same name of her book and she does engage her audience from a listening perspective and brings out such great stories by virtue of how she knows how to, to manage it and, and, and to actually get those details. I, I always like laugh because I, when I talk to you, it's like, she seems like a prosecutor to a certain extent because you <laughs> want to engage from, from the story and you get, you get it, you get that information to come out so that it's so interesting for the listeners, for the listeners outside of you and your guests. So I think that's fantastic. So I'm definitely recommending that to you guys. Go check out our podcast. But I, I do want to say one more thing as far as manifesting before we get to the intention portion of the show. You know, one of the things I, especially in light of what has happened this last year and how we've gone Zoom and we've kind of been engaging and, and seeing all the magic of Zoom because a lot of blessings from the pandemic. And I heard that this morning. What are those blessings of the pandemic that have come into your life where you would have seen it in one way, but now you see it in another? And you're, that's the story you're going to tell after we all become, you know, less masked up and more able to share hugs and all of that fun stuff? Uh, that That's such a good question. And I actually wrote in the book right before it was published. Now I wrote the book in 2019 mm -hmm. and it was published in 2020. And my publisher offered me an opportunity right before it went to print to add a note from the author so that I could put the book in the context of what was happening in the world. Yeah, I love that. 
And what I loved about having that opportunity was that it was right after my 50th birthday. Mm -hmm. And it did, my 50th birthday did not happen the way that I had anticipated. I sing in a rock band and everybody's going to laugh. It's called Rocket to Uranus. That, that's the name of the band, Rocket to Uranus. And it's a 60s style band, go-go boots, vintage mini dresses, um, like really fun and very, very silly. Obviously, we can't take ourselves too seriously with a, a name like that. Super fun. And I had actually gotten us a gig the weekend of my birthday so that that's how I wanted to celebrate my birthday. What yeah. better way to celebrate your 50th than in go-go boots on stage singing love Tainted it. Love, right? So, oh and, and the original Tainted Love by Gloria Jones, which if you haven't heard that, ignore the soft sell version, oh. listen to Gloria Jones' Tainted Love. That's where I model mine. Anyway, so that was my plan. My brother and sister were coming in from Denver and, and Northern California. My mom was coming in from Northern California. One of my best friends was driving up from Denver. I had cousins coming in from the East Coast and the West Coast. And wow. we had actually picked out two songs for my brother and sister to sing with me on stage. Oh, my so brother cool. was going to sing Surfer Girl and my sister and I were going to do the backup harmonies. And like it was, I was so excited about this. I was ready to buy some tiaras <laughs> for everyone who was turning 50 last year, which is a lot of my friends. Like I had all these great plans. Well, needless to say, that was the, the gig was supposed to be April 18th. Oh, that wow. did not happen. And instead, um, my husband on my birthday on Sunday morning had me walk outside and he had gotten me a kayak for my birthday. And we spent a lot of time on the water. We have the Missouri River just 40 minutes away from us and the Dearborn River right above there and the Blackfoot River. We go fishing, we go kayaking. And he bought me this beautiful kayak and he said, let's go. And he threw the kayak in the back of the truck and a picnic. And he drove me out to this lake that's near our house. Oh, and awesome. I went in and I got, got my boat wet. And then we came home and he had a surprise Zoom party for me. This is oh, before that was a thing, right? Cause it was yeah. only a month into everything. Yeah. And like 80 people showed up. I don't even know how he <laughs> found 80 people without me knowing. But awesome. 80 people showed up to wish me a happy birthday. And one of my best friends, my, my song soul sister, Twyla, she and her husband recorded a song for me oh, wow. and sent it to me by video. Yeah. And it was a song that we used to sing together my Baby's Request by Paul McCartney. When the moon lays his head on a pillow and the stars settle down for a rest. And they did it with my name and different lyrics. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh my God, that's yeah. awesome. And it was magical. I mean, it really was magical. It What's wasn't what I wanted. What was the name what of the song again? The song? My Baby's Request, My Baby's Request. So Suzanne, um, on online with us tonight is a huge Beatles fan. So that is definitely uh, something that may look, yay, shout out to Sir Paul, she's screaming. So yep. how awesome is that? So my baby's request, right? Uh-huh, it's a great song. Awesome, I, I have to listen, I don't know that one. So there you go, I learned something new every day. So she, so this is your evening, this is your, your pandemic 50. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, it was so funny. I, I wrote a, an email to my mom and brother and sister the next day and said, it wasn't what I had been excited about. It wasn't what I had planned, but wow, it was really wonderful. I couldn't have asked for it to be better than it was given the situation. And I found so much beauty in it despite the disappointment, right? So. There are all kinds of things like that that happened last year. And I had keynotes that I was super excited to give in person with a thousand people at one of them. And I was so excited to do it and it was canceled and postponed and then postponed again. And you know, all those little disappointments definitely happened. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. At the same time, there were moments when my son who was in college had to come home and I had eight weeks of borrowed time with that boy. Yeah. He wouldn't have been home. I had eight weeks of borrowed time with him. That's awesome. Wow. You know, I, I do say um, we did spend a lot of dinners at the table, which we normally don't do. And we spent a lot of moments with new people that I got to meet 
you know, that I wouldn't have met had it not been for the pandemic, like yourself included and the wonderful authors in my cohort and the wonderful people I get to meet every day by virtue of this technology. So you're absolutely right. You know, the things may not have unfolded the way we wanted them to, but as long as we're, you know, telling the story how we want to tell it, then we can look for those gems, those magical gems in, in the mix. And, um, you know, certainly, like I said to you before, every time I get in, in touch with you or even watch you, and you're just a wonderfully uplifting person, generous as well. And literally, you can tell a story. And there's no doubt in my mind that when we have better storytellers in this world and you are creating them, then this world will be a better place. So with that, I would love to know what your intention was for this evening and what number you picked from the Magical Guide. My intention was that listeners and watchers of this would be reminded that they must surround themselves with people who lift them up. That if you have to shed relationships, you have to shed relationships. And it's hard and you'll have grief over it but man, you really do change your identity and what you think you can do when you surround yourself with people who, when you tell them your crazy idea, they say, that's awesome. How can I help? <laughs> exactly. Right? Oh that, that was my intention. I love it. Suzanne's saying yes, yes, yes. And Suzanne and Leslie are on tonight and they are literally the kind of people that you would love to hang out with. They're both authors and they're telling great stories and they lift others up. There's generosity of spirit that you speak to that is so you, you know, you find them and you find these people, they will follow you till the ends of the earth. So read the insight that you chose for tonight. Okay, I picked it out and I took um, a screenshot of it. Oh, where is it? There it is. Okay, so I had to pick April 19th because that's my birthday. Okay, there you go. And it Love was, it. and this is why the attention was there. Run quickly so you can fly. Oh, it's my favorite. <laughs> and in my head, what I was thinking was, you know when you are gonna jump and you have to run really fast yeah. to get to a good jump, or if you're flying a kite, or if you're gonna go do something like I don't know, when you were a little girl, did you have a giant umbrella and you would take a big jump so that you could feel it pull you? I mean, you have to run fast before you're gonna take off, right? Yeah. And in this context, it's about run, my dear, from anything that may not strengthen your precious budding wings. I love it. And that's where that intention was, run away from people who are holding you back. I love From that. people who don't believe in you, from people who have attached certain shame and labels to you that don't belong there. Run away. Wow, you know, I think that is such an empowering sentiment that you run towards those things that make you come to life rather than, you know, running away from those people who bring you down. And we also have Diana here tonight, who's another one of my author cohorts. I'm telling you, you're gonna Hi, love Diana. <laughs> These are awesome. One of the things I wanted to make sure um, before we leave tonight, you know, with this whole, you know, you're here on purpose, make it fabulous, you know, and, and definitely start to write better stories and definitely start to create a world that you want to like look back on and say, my God, that was my life, right? Sarah, you're, you're doing that, you know, with your incredible, wonderfully uplifting sentiment. I, I definitely want just one tool that you can share with us tonight that you can give to my audience, you know, that they can take away to help them manifest magic in their world. One tool. All right, I, I have an idea. When um, it, it was early, early in the pandemic, probably late March, and I was, I was pretty bummed. You know, I was grieving all the loss that we were all experiencing across the planet. And I was grieving for the people who were already sick and dying. And that, you know, as a person who is deeply empathetic, uh, it was powerful, it hurt. Um, and my older son was downstairs. He was still living in our home and he was downstairs. He had started a fire, it was really cold out for, for March especially, it was really cold. And I was upstairs and I had gotten 
somehow I had gotten hooked up with this article by um, a guy named Stephen Magling. And he had a quote from Kurt Vonnegut, which was, well, if that's not nice, I don't know what is. And the context of the article was that, again, our brains remember negative things so much more easily because it involves all the parts of our brain. It stimulates all parts of our brain. So how do we contradict that? How do we counter that? We counter that by seeing things that are good and making it stick in our brain. Mm, I love so that. when you see something, you, you need to acknowledge it out loud or it's going to be fleeting because that's what good stuff does, it fleets, right? So I walked downstairs, I read this article, and I was like, okay, okay, Love I'm gonna it. try this, right? I'm gonna try this right now, I'm gonna apply what I just learned. By the way, I interviewed him on my podcast, phenomenal human being, by the way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Stephen Magling. So I walked downstairs and I see my older son curled up on the dog bed with the dog. Now this kid, <laughs> was 21. He's 21 years old and he's curled up on the giant, I have a giant dog, so he's on the giant dog bed with the dog. And I look at him and I look at this fire and it's so warm, it's so comfortable in our house. Love it. And I lean back against the wall and I just looked at them and I, I absorbed it, I took it all in and I said out loud, huh, well, if that's not nice, I don't know what is. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's just amazing. That is so wonderful. I, you know, it's, it sounds to me a lot like reframing, right? Reframing your life. And I love how you brought the story, obviously, once again, and I'm going to call it out. I'm going to acknowledge you because I really have loved getting to know you and it feels like I've known you forever and you just go out of your way to make other people feel really seen and I and I'm a benefactor or a beneficiary sorry not a benefactor beneficiary of that you're a benefactor too a benefactor <laughs> <laughs> too I just want to say I I love having these kind of conversations because I you know can go back and take those little kernels of wisdom and genius and I can apply them to my life and I hope all of you do as well tonight because I know what Sarah has shown you guys tonight is that clearly there are ways that you can start to tell better stories and she's offering to everyone I'm going to put this in the feed that a friends and family discount for one-time strength finder session so I will definitely include this in the feed as well and her sign-up information where you can find her. And also, you guys got to go watch her show or listen to her show. It's a podcast as well. It is so well done. And this is a great guest coming up soon. I'm going to, like, I'm not going to spoil it yet. But yes, she, she, she's... I'm so excited for this guest. <laughs> great content, amazing people. And the more amazing people you are finding yourself surrounded by, the more amazement that you will have and wonderment you'll have in your life. Um, so I definitely encourage all of you to go to Amazon, wherever book sells, books uh, books are sold, and check out your stories don't define you, and get the audio. The audio has her music, so you get to hear this great music that's going to uplift your soul as well. So check that out as well. It's it's it's, it's available where exactly? Because I don't know exactly with the audio content. Is it on Amazon yeah. too? No, it's only on my website. Okay, so you have to go to her website. And that is elkinsconsulting.com, E-L-K-I-N-S, consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. And go check it out, you guys. You are going to thank me. I know it. I know it for sure. So I do want to give you one final inspirational word to let us all go off and enjoy this May, this wonderful awakening of creativity. You know, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I know that everybody, after this last period of time, we we all are aware. I think that's that's something we can be really clear about. But you know, when we have that, we'll be more kind and gentle, speak more kindly and gently to ourselves. But I'm gonna give it to you. So, what is your final bit of inspiration for us to all take for the rest of the month? Be real about your emotions right now. Uh, it is Mental Health Awareness Week or Month, and it's okay to sit in it for a little while because you you earned those emotions. Don't don't think that you can't sit in them for a little while. The next step is to choose what's next. So I I would leave you with it's not all butterflies and bliss all the time. 
And if you think it is, and if you are being that way, then you're not being true to yourself. So allow yourself a little grief and then pull up your pants, <laughs> put on your favorite red top and your favorite red lipstick and, and do something. Change something because no one is responsible for your happiness but you I love that yes I do agree it's not butterflies and bliss all the time but butterflies and bliss is always there waiting for you when you come Absolutely. back to that again. so be gentle I love what you said then put your pants back on put your red lipstick on it makes you feel good and go out in the world and do your thing and start telling better stories like Sarah is teaching many to do. So my friend, thank you. What a wonderful evening this has been. I so appreciate it. Once again, I'll have all your contact information. I want you all to remember that you are the deliberate creators of your life. Dream big and us all together raise the positive vibrations on this planet so we can all live out our bliss. And let's love ourselves exactly where we are at the time we actually need to do that. Reach out to others and spread the love. Be bold, be awakeners, be great storytellers. I love that. And time to manifest the life of our dreams. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a wonderful evening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, everybody. Good night. Good night.